and round they go. Where they stop, nobody cares. Welcome to the St. Canard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. I'm your host, Mike Russo, bringing you another bonus episode. Uh, August is a very busy month for us. Uh, Will has been out of town. He also has three, count them, three conventions coming up this month. So he will be out of town three weekends in a row. So that kind of makes it hard for us to get together to um, to record some Darkwing episodes. I know, I know we're almost done. We only have three more left, almost to the end, but we want to both be on all three of those. So we don't want to, you know, rush things. So we figured a few more bonus episodes. You guys have been there before. You can wait it out with us too. What we wanted to do, we had talked about discussing uh, the Chaos God saga from the newly published Disney Adventures collection. Um, so I figured since I'm doing this one solo, why not bring on somebody who's a huge Darkwing Duck comic fan? We've had him on before to talk about comics. Uh, welcome back, Stan Lunn. Hello, Mike. It's good to hear from you. Yeah, welcome back. How you doing, buddy? Uh, I've been all right. You know, just trying to beat the Vermont heat. Yeah, it's been really hot up in New York. We've been hitting 100-degree real feels for a few days now. Work is kicking my butt. Um, it's a very exhausting summer. Haven't really gotten to do a lot of fun things, but, you know, I've been trying to keep busy. How about you? Uh, more or less the same, you know, still getting little things here and there for the collection, waiting on the Q figure to drop. Uh, really looking forward to that Negaduck one. Yeah, that'll be coming out in September, I think. I didn't even order the Darkwing, but the Negaduck one was a complete priority. I'm sure the Darkwing one will be easy enough to get, but got to get that Negaduck. Well, I ordered both of them. Yeah, I'm sure I'll get both, but Negaduck was definitely my priority. That one oh, was yeah. awesome. I, I think they did a really good job with him. I'm very happy that they didn't just repaint the Darkwing as Negaduck and call it a day, that they actually changed it enough. No, that face is great. Yeah. That is a perfect Negaduck face. The only thing he's missing is the chainsaw, but I doubt Disney was going to approve that. Yeah, that's more than likely why he doesn't have his handy-dandy chainsaw. Yeah, that wasn't going to get through licensing. But still, I think it looks awesome. Uh, before we start talking about the Chaos God saga, a random question I wanted to ask you. I know you love pop culture. I know you love movies. Stan, what's your all-time favorite movie? Uh, probably Star Wars, but it's followed very closely by the Back to the Future trilogy and the Ghostbusters duology. Nice. So Star Wars is on top? Yes. The first one? New Hope, Empire, and Return of the Jedi. In that order? Uh, Empire, uh, New Hope, Jedi. And then Back to the Future, which one? Obviously the first one first, I'm, I would assume? Actually, much to Will's uh, distaste, I like part three the best. Really? I rarely hear anybody say that. I'm a bit of an oddity on that one, and a bit of an oddity when it comes to Ghostbusters. I actually prefer the second movie over the first one there as well. Really? Yep. Huh, okay. I mean, I everybody, ha everybody has their taste. I never, I never met someone that said they liked the second Ghostbusters more than the first. I always kind of assumed the second one was a complete bomb. No, there's plenty of awesome things in it, you know. I'd, have to, give it, I'd have to give it a rewatch. Yeah. 
I might I recommend maybe around New Year's Eve. Maybe that sounds sounds like a good idea. Is that streaming anywhere? Uh, that I'm not sure about. Though, I if I had to guess, probably Paramount Plus. Oh, uh, that's the one streaming service I don't have. These all yeah, I have way too many to begin with. I I can't afford any more. So one thing I just I wanted to bring up real quick, just sure. a quick mention is, I believe. Just a couple days ago was the second anniversary of the St. Canard Files. Yes, it was. Yes, it was. Second anniversary. Man, has it really been two years? It That's, doesn't feel like it, does it? It really, really doesn't. I feel like it was only yesterday that Will first called me up and's like, hey, man, I love Quacker Jack. You love Quacker Jack, too? I love hot spells, man. And that was like our first conversation. And who knew it was going to lead to two years talking about this? I really had no idea. It's been one heck of a roller coaster. And I'm glad that we were able to, you know, meet a lot of friends in this fandom. I mean, that's an awesome byproduct of all of this, too. Yeah, definitely. So, yeah, it's been two years, man. That's just it's just crazy. And we're a few weeks away from Darkwing's 30th anniversary. Which is obviously much more, yeah, obviously much more important. Um, so yeah, happy 30th, Darkwing. We'll talk a bit more about that when we get a few, a little bit closer to that. Um, the main reason I asked you what your favorite movie was was because uh, earlier this week, um, at the time of the record, this recording, obviously, I attended a 30th, uh, 40th anniversary screening of The Great Muppet Caper. I and, saw you were very excited about that. And. I, I mentioned on Facebook for anybody who saw that it took finally seeing that in a theater to convince myself that it's my favorite movie of all time. Like I didn't, I didn't think it was, but now that I've seen it in the movie theater, it's, it's definitely my favorite. I love this film. Yeah. Um, I think it's the best cause it, cause Jim Henson directed it himself and it's just a really fantastic movie. But, you know, enough about Muppets, enough about Star Wars and all that other stuff. This is about Darkwing Duck. And we are talking about the five-part comic story, Legend of the Chaos God, originally printed in five issues of Disney Adventures magazine, now uh, reprinted for the first time in the Disney Afternoon collection, uh, Justice, Justice Ducks, and other stories, pu published by, um, what's the name of the publishing company? Uh, Fantagraphics. Fantagraphics. I almost said Fantasia Graphs. Fantagraphics. Yes, they do a lot of Disney and Uncle Scrooge stuff. So it's really nice. They um, did this. This is volume one. I've heard from somebody who worked on this. We might be getting more. So let's keep our fingers crossed. But this is the big reason to pick this up. There's a lot of cool stuff in this. The Goofy Movie Adaption, the Justice Ducks Adaption, some Gummy Bears, Bonkers, DuckTales, Rescue Ranger Stories. But this is the reason you're picking this thing up. Let's not even beat around the bush, Dan, right? Yeah, because I, I had Just Us, Justice Ducks already. I I actually didn't own all five parts of the Chaos God, so I'm glad to, to have it, especially with the little fixes they implemented along the way. Yeah, most of the stories in this collection got fixed. I mentioned a couple of episodes ago that Negaduck shotgun in the Justice Ducks uh, story got repainted to look less like a real gun. Which isn't technically a fix. It's more of a sensor, you know, thing. But yeah, yeah. But you you noticed a really big edit 
uh, a fix in this story we'll get to at the end. Um, but this entire saga, all five parts, uh, were written by Bobby J.G. Weiss and David Cody Weiss. Um, I think I'm pronouncing that right. I hope I am. A husband and wife writing team. And the stories were drawn by uh, Cosmic Quartieri. Uh, all these people were mainstays of the Disney comics in the 90s. Um, a lot of the best stuff in Disney adventures, Disney comics uh, issues, a lot of the stuff was written and drawn by them. And they were in charge of all of this. This was a big project for the Weeses. Um, I think it's fantastic. Um, and each part features a different Disney afternoon show. We've got Tailspin, we have Rescue Rangers, Goof Troop, DuckTales, and Darkwing. Saving the best for last, definitely. Yep. So the first part is called Crystal Chaos. It's the Tailspin story. It was uh, in the July 1994 issue of Disney Adventures. Um, Stan, you want to give us a really brief synopsis of this story? Uh, sure. So Blue, Kit, and Molly are flying to the island of Rack and Rune to meet Professor Pottsherd. By the way, Rack and Rune is a play on the phrase Rack and Ruin, which... Yep which is the definition of that. I'll just read it verbatim. It's something that falls into a state of complete disrepair or destruction. And potsherd, that definition is a broken piece of ceramic material, especially one found on an archaeological site. These are the kind of puns you would definitely have gotten on the Disney afternoon shows, right? Yes. Absolutely. So continue with the storyline, Stan. So Professor Pottsherd has found the lost temple of doom and gloom, which is another pun on doom and gloom. This one's a lot more obvious, yes. Yeah. Yeah, their civilization disappeared, so he's been excavating artifacts. Of course, who else would show up to try and steal the artifacts but the incredible Don Carnage? Uh, I mean, he, it's a cameo, but he makes it work. Yeah. But, you know, Blue ends up chasing them off, saving the artifacts. But in the process, the crystal setting gets knocked into an empty sugar barrel and the frame is knocked into the ocean. Right. So what happens next? Well, after uh, after that, you know, they they pick up the empty uh, supplies and. I believe they also grabbed the crates of museum artifacts that were there and bring them back to Cape Suzette. Yeah, they bring them over to Hire for Hire, and of course, Becky chews out Baloo. Um, yep. One thing I'm going to say right off the bat, the writing on all of these stories is really good. I can hear the character voices in my head. Yeah. There's a point where um, Becky starts chewing out Baloo, and Baloo's like, not this again, and she says, yes, this again. And I could straight out hear Sally Struthers in my head. And um, so it turns out the crystal, the red crystal, when you get when you touch it, you basically get possessed by the chaos god. What's the chaos god's name? Salego. Yes. So he possesses her and forces her to drive away in the uh, sea duck. Yeah. And we get a really cool action scene where she's flying the plane and Baloo, Kit and Molly are hanging to the, hanging on to the back of it for dear life. I could I can totally picture it happening from the show. Just the Disney Japan animation as the sea ducks flying all over and Baloo's hanging on for dear. It really, really works. I mean, these stories are short, but they pack a lot in them. That they do. So how does this story wrap up? 
Well, uh, Molly ends up falling. Kit tries to save her, but the weight of two people caused him to go out of control. Is and that canon? Has that happened to him before? I'm not sure. I actually haven't watched enough Tailspin to really remember. We'll have to talk to Bill. Yeah. He'll help us. He'll help us with that one. Oh, yeah. But in any case, though, Rebecca's strong willpower actually overpowers the Lego's control over her, and she manages to save Kit and Molly. Right, and when Molly jumps on her, she drops the, the crystal, and she's not possessed anymore. Right. So they have Kit drop it in the ocean. Yep, and thus ends part one. It's really important that Tailspin happened first for a really obvious reason. When does Tailspin take place? In the 1930s. So, so it absolutely has to take place. It has to take place first in the storyline. But, you know, even though Tailspin at this point was one of the older shows, it's like, it's really well written. Again, I can hear these character voices in my head. It's a great start to the storyline. We also very briefly meet um, Professor Potsherd's um, son. Yep, Biss Potsherd. So we're so he comes back a little bit later. Really clever how they introduce him early on. Yep. Uh, the second part is the Rescue Rangers part. This one is called "To Have and Have Not," which was um pu- which was uh, printed September 1994 in Disney Adventures. Yeah, it skipped a month because of the Lion King uh, adaptation. I remember how big Lion King was. I can forgive it for skipping a month for something like the Lion King. Yeah, though the the sad thing about that, though, is the issue with that skip, it made the final part fall on issue 51. I think the story was originally meant to be a Disney Adventures 50th issue special. That wouldn't surprise me. Like, that makes complete sense. But it also makes complete sense to postpone it for Lion King, because how could you not? Yeah. I mean, the Summer of the Lion King, that was something else. I don't know if you remember that, but that was big. So part two, I'm going to say, is probably the weakest part. Yeah, and it it does have its fair share of little goofs in it. I don't know what it is about Rescue Ranger comic stories. I don't know if there's just something fundamentally off about the show that makes it hard to write comics for because i have the entire disney comics run and i've read a lot of the shorter stories and the different different like collections i haven't really run across many great rescue ranger comic stories i don't know what it is about the show um but this is definitely one where this is the weakest link in the entire thing yeah um so you want to give this one a quick rundown what happens in this story Sure. So it starts with the with a fish spitting out the crystal with Salego in it. And this is where the first goof happens. There's no chain attached to the crystal anymore. It won't be in this story, but for some reason it reappears right in the beginning of the next part of the story. Do you think this part was phoned in at all, you know? Um... Uh, maybe a little. The odd, the odd problem they have to overcome is that Rescue Rangers doesn't take place in an anthropomorphic animal universe. Right. So they kind of just fudge it. They say, oh, to heck with it. Uh, because in the beginning of the story, we see dog face characters. Yeah. One of them looks a lot like Dijon from the DuckTales movie. Is that the uh, fisherman? Yeah. 
Yeah, I I thought I had seen him somewhere before. Yeah, that's definitely Dijon. So most of the story takes place in the museum. Um, who's going after everything this time? So Fat Cat and his goons are trying to steal the uh, setting. Right. And of course, the rescue range is a hot on his trail. Yep. Again, this is um, this is I'm having trouble hearing the character voices in this one, except Gadget. Like yeah. Gadget, Gadget comes across pretty good. The rest of them, yeah. But you know, Gadget comes off fine. Now, is it just me or does that Cobra on the Jade Block kind of look like Jafar's Cobra form, or maybe Clang from uh, Tailspin? Both is possible. I'd say Jafar is more likely only because, you know, that was more well-known. But it's anything's possible, right? Yep. So what happens here? A lot of this story is a lot of just characters running around. There is no plot. But that was, that was Rescue Rangers, wasn't it? Basically, that show was lots of characters just running around. Yeah. So I know Gadget gets possessed for like a fraction of a second. And yep. so does Fat Cat, but it's mostly Dale. Yeah. By the way, is there a voice actor you hear in your head when you hear Saligo talk? Uh, not particularly, though. I I want to say I kind of gave him a Judge Doom voice when I read this. Oh, for me, it's some combination of Tony J and Tim Curry. Ooh, I like that. Like Tony J, like definitely his like Frollo voice, but Tim Curry, like what voice can I think? Like more like his Long John Silver voice from Muppets, Great uh, Muppet Treasure Island, not Taurus Bulba, but some combination of that I kept hearing in my head whenever I had to read Salego's voice. Yeah. So how does, like, this one, there's not, again, there's not much that's going on here. The big thing is we learn the the, the metal casing and the jewel cannot touch because that yeah. will bring Salego back. Yep. It almost happens. Almost. Fat Cat gets a hold of it. He almost does it. And then he gets hit with a Tesla coil and he drops them. Yeah, that was uh, van the Van de Graaff generator. This this story is trying to teach you things. Oh yeah, between that <laughs> between that and Archimedes screw. Yeah, um, it's a it's if I was to skip, I mean you have to read all of them, but if I was to skip any stories, it would be this one. Um, in the end, they have two crows. Um, one supposed to drop. Is it the casing in the river in the ocean, and the the jewel supposed to be dropped into the sewer, right? Uh, yeah, though I will say I don't think those were crows. I think they were ravens because the names are Edgar and Alan. Right, right. I thought of crows because there were numerous crow characters on Rescue Rangers. So I yeah. slipped up there. You definitely raisins, ravens, Edgar and Alan. Yeah, obviously right there. But it, um, so the next part is called um, Spookus Ex Machina, a play on the phrase yeah. Deus Ex Machina. This is the Goof Troop story. Yes, and it if is. You, and, and if you were to go into this thinking, ugh, it's Goof Troop, you'd actually be wrong. Yeah, like, it's pretty good. And this is really good. Yeah, I've got more of a soft spot for this story because I'm a fan of uh, possessed car movies like Christine. And that's basically what this whole story in this part is. 
Yeah, basically. Um, but you know what? It's it's a I could see this working as a goof troop episode. The characters, like the writing of all of Goofy's dialogue makes it sound just like Goofy. Yeah. And even I can hear I can hear Jim Cummings and everything Pete's saying. I mean, they even have Pete and Peg doing their like little cutesy uh, pet names back and forth. Like when Peg shows up, I can hear Peg's theme music in the background in my head. It's a good goof troop story. Um, so basically, Pete bought a new car, and yep. this Alego jewel fell into the radiator of the car and has possessed the car. Yeah. And the whole thing is Pete bought the car. He butters up Peg. Peg actually likes the car. It's a very fancy car that can wash itself. It has a voice yeah. and has Pete a computer brain. Yeah, but Pete doesn't realize the car is quote unquote haunted. Goofy does though. Um, and Max and PJ have a very brief cameo in this. I guess they would have to be in there, but very, very briefly. And so Pete has so many great lines in this about like Goofy being so stupid he can hardly believe it. Yeah. Like it's it's good stuff. Again, I can I can hear a lot of Jim Cummings. I, I love when Go Goofy's watching the news. Watch, now he's not watching the news. What is he watching? He is watching a certain masked mallard. They don't come out and say his name, but I am the magnet that sticks to your refrigerator. Yeah, I think he's probably fighting Megavolt based <laughs> on the dialogue we hear. Most likely. I will say I did do some research, and that line is exclusive to this comic. So it's not one of the 91 episodes, unfortunately. Nice. Hey, it's cool they came up with new ones, though. True. And it kind of, even though this is supposed to be part of like all the same universe, it was established on Goof Troop that Darkwing is a TV show in that universe, considering yeah. there are scenes of Darkwing on TV and in the newspaper, and Max owns a Quacker Jack watch. Yeah. Uh, so I guess it kind of works that Goofy would be watching Darkwing Duck. And uh, so it turns out the the metal the metal frame for the jewel is in Duckburg. So Salego knows that's where he's got to go. Right. So there is this great scene of Goofy trying to kill the car using the various techniques he's seen in monster movies. Yep, garlic, water, salt, silver bullets, but hopefully a quarter will work and a wooden stake to the heart or hood. And yeah, since cars don't have hearts, Goofy drives it right into the hood. And he's like, I guess it didn't kill it. And P's like, no, but I'm going to kill you. <laughs> really, really funny. Like this feels like a Goof Troop episode. Definitely feels like a Goof Troop episode. Um, so the, the car ends up dragging them inside and almost drives off a cliff with them inside. Well, it drives off the cliff, but they thankfully escape right before it does. Yeah, and like many a Goof Troop episode, Pete's out a lot of money. Yep. Yep, he goes home crying in Goofy's arms. But unfortunately, Salego and the car are laying in a heap on the ground. So it's got to get to Duckburg somehow. Well, thankfully for Salego, Spoonerville's towing service and Floyd will be his white knight. Yep, because he uses the car phone, which seems yep. like such an obvious thing now. But I would think in 1994, you know, that's 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 high technology back then. Back then, it sure was. So here we go with part four from November 94. The title is uh, Toe for Broke. Uh, obviously a play on the phrase go for broke. 
this is our DuckTales story. And from what I was able to, to find out, this is the very last written DuckTales story from that era of Disney comics. Like, this is the end for DuckTales. Yeah. Because they weren't in the Marvel Comics issues, right? You mean the Disney uh, afternoon ones? Yeah. I don't believe they were, but I could be wrong about that. It's been a while since I've read all those. If they weren't, then this is the very last gasp of DuckTales of this era. Yeah. But it's a, decent, it's a decent story, though, with a really large role for Fenton. And a very in-character role for him, too. I, I like the story a lot. So how does this one begin, uh, Stan? So Pete's car has been towed to the money bin, and of course Scrooge is not very happy with it because he didn't want a broken car towed to the money bin. Of course not. Scrooge, of course, is wearing his red jacket because why not? Yep. But Fenton isn't colored correctly either. Yeah, I, I didn't really remember how... You know, in terms of his colors, I knew Scrooge was off and that the nephews were a little off. Fenton's suit is combinations of purple, oranges and greens. Here it's more of just blues and purples. Ah. So what happens? Well, Fenton ends up, you know, trying to plead Mr. McDuck's case, but getting pretty much nowhere. Floyd goes to get a nap and Fenton gets possessed. Yes, he finds the he finds a jewel, he picks it up, and he's able to get just a, just enough of his free will to scream. Blathering Blatherskite. Yes, oh I love it. It's such a short scene for Gizmo Duck, but it's awesome. The Gizmo suit shows up and unfortunately Salego possesses the Gizmo suit and pops Fenton right out of the television monitor in the stomach. Yep. So now Salego takes over the gizmo suit and all the technology within. Yes, he does. And the nephews show up, Huey, Dewey, and Louie, uh, colored, colored with black shirts, because of course they are. It's a DuckTales comic in the 1990s. Why wouldn't they be? <laughs> yeah, but they uh, give Salego a little bit of info he wants because he's looking for the money bin, and he didn't realize he was already there. Yeah, he he shows up immediately, turns around, and heads toward the money bin, and they think he's Gizmo Duck for a brief second until um, they find Fenton and think he's dead. Yeah, which is an odd moment when they're like, "Could he be dead?" It's like, "Come on, it's Ducktales. He's not dead." Yeah. And uh, so then Salego uh, starts attacking the money bin. Of course, you'd have to have you have to have an attack on the money bin. Yeah. Tears it straight open. The cops show up. They think uh, Gizmoduck has turned bad. And Salego gets the heck out of there as fast as he can, doesn't he? Because he doesn't he doesn't feel he doesn't feel the casing anywhere around. Right. So then we get a lot of exposition. If there's one thing I don't like about the story, half of it is exposition. Almost well, a bunch of it courtesy of the Junior Woodchuck Bike guidebook. Yeah, what do we learn, basically? If the sh basically, the shorthand version, what do we learn? That Salego was the most powerful sorcerer in the world. Right. And that it got to a point where saying his name was considered bad luck. And that's where they came up with the phrase, the Chaos God. Yeah. And um, what they, they learn more when um, Professor Poshard's son 
uh, Bisque shows up, and he, you know, him and Scrooge are old friends. Scrooge yeah. had found um, the casing, the, the metal, the metal casing when he was scuba diving in 1972. He says, or is it 62? It was 62 off the coast of Wowie Zowie. <laughs> that is definitely a, a very groan-worthy Ducktales uh, name for sure. Yeah. And he had it in his money bin for a while, but he sent it to a jeweler in... St. Canard. Yep. And we do get more info about what happened to Salego. Yeah, the, a wizard or a, uh, yeah, wizard named DeShane created the crystal casing and he confronted him and split him in two. Yes, we don't, they don't explain how. Right. But yeah, he was split in two. He was, uh, the pieces were encased in a block of jade. And then, of course, they explain what happened with Baloo and everything, you know, all those decades ago. And yeah. now, of course, they have to stop Salego before he gets that casing and puts them both together. Yep. And there's only one person in St. Canard who can help now. And that is Darkwing Duck. It shows just how important I think everybody at Disney knew Darkwing Duck was that he was saved till the end. Like they make yeah. a big deal about this at the end of the story. It has to be Darkwing Duck. Who else could it possibly be? And All right. The story is certainly one of, if not the best part. Oh, absolutely. Um, I have a soft, like you, I have the soft spot for the Goof Troop one, but the Darkwing Duck one is great. So here we go with part five, Rain and Thunder. Rain spelled R-E-I-G-N, as yep. opposed to Rain, R-A-I-N. Uh, this is in December 1994. And again, it's our Darkwing Duck story. And like many Darkwing Duck episodes, where do we begin? We begin at Shush Headquarters. So, again, like many of the Darkwing Duck comic stories, this one's heavy on Shush. There's no Goslin. So if you go into the storyline expecting Goslin, she's not here. Uh, but Darkwing and Launchpad are, and they're pretty they're pretty well in character. I can hear their voices throughout all of this. I can totally picture Jim Cummings and Terry, Terry McGovern saying this dialogue. Yeah, definitely. So they're talking to Jay, Jay, Jay Edgar, Jay Ganderhooter. Haven't said that name in a while because he hasn't yeah. been on the show in a while. And then who should burst in the door? Fenton. It seems like he was the only character who was allowed to cross over, mainly because he already did cross over on the show. Um, the writers were told they could not cross characters over. The only thing that could cross over was Salego himself. But I guess since Fenton and Gizmoduck already were a part of Darkwing Duck, this was okay? Yeah. Um, so, take it away. We all love Darkwing what go, what happens in this story? So Fenton shows up and, you know, he says they need to get to the jewelers. And I love that Launchpad makes a, a little thing. Doesn't he have low-paid menial flunkies for that sort of thing? He did when I was employed by him. <laughs> <laughs> Unfortunately, they don't make it to the jewelers before Salego does. And I love mm -hmm. that it's the McDuck jewelers. And I love Darkwing's entrance. It's a it's a unique line, and it's so unbelievably true to the show. Oh, uh, yeah. He shows up. I am the terror that flaps in the night. I am the blister on the pinky toe of crime. He said lines similar to that, like the pustulant blister that bursts in your boot. Uh, but this is this one. This phrasing is unique to this story. 
and then says, I am Darkwing, and then Salego hits him with Gizmoduck's boxing glove yep. and knocks him out of the panel. Oh, just so true to the show. Oh, yeah. Just getting getting whacked by something before he's able to say duck. So um, a, a fight breaks out, and tell us what happens, uh, Stan. Well, Salego has combined the pieces and is reborn. And he starts getting into it with Darkwing. You know, of course, Darkwing, you know, starts annoying him immediately. Well, Darkwing is full of dialogue as he fights his villains, and it's all some sort of insult. He references Megavolt. Yep, he knows a guy who eats power companies for breakfast. I mean, when you fought guys like Megavolt and Liquidator and Negaduck, Salego doesn't seem that threatening. No. And he reveals his true form, by the way. He gives up the gizmo suit, and now we see what he really looks like. Yep. Like a a lizard, like some sort of reptile. Exactly. And Darkwing is totally dissing what he looks like, dissing his outfit, dissing his hair. Yep, better hair on a hard-boiled egg. And, uh, of course, now that he ditched the gizmo suit, uh, Fenton gets back into it and just makes Darkwing's day all the more annoying. Oh, I love this little line, though, where Darkwing uh, says something about, you know, trying to, I forget what he says, but Launchpad makes the quip, fatal for who, him or us? Yeah, Darkwing starts to realize he's outmatched. Like, he absolutely starts to realize this is too much. And Salego is bringing basically an army of just objects and, and like electric appliances and stuff. I can't quite tell like what he's trying to, I know he's trying to take over the world, but there's this big splash panel of chaos all over the streets. Control of everything in the city. Yeah. I and wish we had give, I wish we had seen a little bit more of that, but what we do get is pretty cool. I do wonder though, did you notice one thing in the background of that splash panel? No. What, what was it? Beakless monsters. Beakless monsters? Oh, people. Like actual human beings. Hideous beakless mutants. Yep. <laughs> I didn't notice. I wasn't looking close enough at that page. Oh, that's, that's pretty That's pretty funny when that happens. I mean, most of the people are, you know, dog-faced, but there's at least one couple inside a store. You see them through the window, and they're just regular people. I wonder if that was intentional or it was just like it was one of those whatever moments. Let's just put people in there. It could be. So Salego blows up the gizmo duck suit. And Fenton comes flying out of it in a way where I guess Darkwing and Launchpad didn't see. Possibly because they're like, you disintegrated him. And then then he says to Darkwing, I want to fight you solo. And Launchpad says, what am I, chop liver? So what does Salego turn Launchpad into? A plate of chopped liver. That is great. It's like Jafar. Like, remember the end of Aladdin? Yeah. Unraveling carpet, turning Abu into a toy monkey. It reminds me a lot of that. But, of course, the villain has to get defeated. And much like many of Darkwing's villains' defeats, it's kind of an accident, kind of not. How is Salego defeated? So he zaps at Darkwing and hits a satellite dish, and the satellite dish turns the attack back on him. And splits him back into the jewel and, and the metal casing. 
Yep, and that's it. Salego is defeated. And thankfully, Gizmo Duck and LP return to normal. And Launchpad says he's never eating liver ever again. Which I don't blame him. I wouldn't even eat it to begin with. But we know Launchpad's a food monster. He eats everything. Yeah. Um, So there was a big art mistake in the original publication of the story that's corrected here. Um, Explain to our listeners what it is, Stan. So in one of the last few panels, like the second to last page, they have a group shot of everyone at Shush. And in the original version, Fenton is standing next to Gizmo Duck, which Fenton is Gizmo Duck. He wouldn't be standing next to him. How would you make a mistake like that? Well, I would say if you didn't know the the show, you know, which that's the only way I can think of. I guess it's possible, right? Yeah. I and mean, um, so how do they fix it? In terms of uh, the new version? Yeah. They probably uh, did some digital uh, editing to to remove Fenton, you know, from it. So it's just Gizmo Duck there. I'm glad that I'm glad that they did that though, because that was very distracting. Because I've read the original. I don't own the original, but I've read it online, and that is very distracting. Yeah. And it's one of a few different changes that they made. You know, like in the original version, Jay Gander Hooter's hair was orange. They changed it to the correct gray color. They changed Monty's, you know, Monterey Jack's face through half of the the Rescue Rangers part so it all matched. Yeah, it's nice they went back in and corrected some of the art, especially because um, in Disney Adventures and in stuff like Colossal Comics, this stuff was printed digest size. This is a full-sized book. Yeah. So Mistake's going to stand out a lot more. But it's nice to read this like in a large book form. You can really appreciate the art a lot better. Yeah. And the text is a lot easier on the eyes, too. Now, there is one other error I was going to mention. What is that? It's kind of a thing where the cover for the Goof Troop story showed Pete possessed, but obviously it was the car that got possessed. Right, right, right. Yeah, I guess they wanted to entice you to read it by showing a character getting possessed when it really didn't happen. Although, can you imagine a possessed Pete? That would be kind of scary. (laughs) <laughs> put it put it in the show have them animated by disney australia that would have been pretty awesome now, i, I would have that would that would have been one of my all-time favorite episodes now you but, know we all you know we almost got a sequel to this story um i heard something about that would you care to elaborate so in an interview once aaron sparrow mentioned that he wanted to do a sequel to this story for joe for the, the joe books uh darkwing run I did hear that. I did hear that. I don't I didn't hear much else about it. Did he ever did he say anything else? I don't believe so, but we did eventually get to see Salego. Where? In the DuckTales episode of uh the Duck Knight Returns. No, let's get dangerous. Or no, let's get dangerous. You're right. I yeah. I I had the right one in my head but the wrong title. They're both fantastic episodes starring Darkwing Duck, so how can you go wrong with either? 
Um, but yeah, they find out so like, they Where do they see it in the Junior Woodchuck guidebook, right? Yep, because the artifact, you know, the missing mystery they were after was called the Salego Circuit, and right. it was created by the Mad Thinker Salego, and right. his so, illustration. Different origin, but the illustration in the Junior Woodchuck guidebook looks a lot like, you know, Salego's combined form once he's once the two pieces are joined. Great shout out. It's one of those those things where, yeah, you you'd get like the Tailspin and Rescue Ranger references, but how many people, especially younger audiences, are gonna get that reference? Or even even some of the older Darkwing fans, if you didn't read the comics, you'd have no idea. Yeah, I would say in terms of obscurity, this one was right up there with the Fluffy Dogs reference. Yeah. Like, definitely, you'd have... It shows how much of a super fan these guys actually were. And, of course, in the write-up at the end of this saga in the new collection, um, David Cody Weiss actually writes about writing this storyline, and he wraps it up by mentioning that all these decades later, Salego got to appear on DuckTales, and they include a photo of Salego from that episode. Yeah. Which it's, it's nice to see the Disney stuff come full circle from all of this to the new DuckTales. And I'm calling it new DuckTales when this thing's been over for months already. Yeah. I mean, but, uh, at least until a new, new DuckTales comes out, you know, DuckTales 3.0. Yeah. But we're still waiting on that Darkwing reboot. Not really much in the way of news yet. Not yet. You know, but, um, maybe maybe at some point, maybe they're waiting for for the 30th anniversary to reveal something. I feel like we have to learn something soon. Like it's going to it's been almost a year since we first heard about this. Something's going to give. It would be cool if they be found out next month for the 30th. You're right. That would be really cool. So all things considered, taking all five parts together. What do you think of the Chaos God saga? Well, if I were to give it a gas gun score, I would probably give it a four. Okay. Why would that be? Well, I think it was a very good story. I I like the idea that instead of having the different universes cross over, which would have been much more messy and hard to do, there was an item being passed from story to story. You know, it gave it a sense of, of... continuity without you know some of the tricky things like okay well how are we going to incorporate tailspin in if it's 30 years how are we going to incorporate rescue rangers when they live with humans i think even if dizzy didn't mandate it i'm glad i'm like i'm i was i was i'm glad they went in this direction i hope that they i hope that's what they would have done even if dizzy didn't demand it yeah so in terms of my gas canister ratings i think i'd give it a four or two the only reason I wouldn't give it a five is because the Rescue Ranger segment drags it down a little bit. Yeah. Um, I think that one is very meandering and like it doesn't get the characters, but that's just inherent in a lot of Rescue Ranger stories. I don't know what it is about that show and those characters that lack the depth that doesn't make them work in comic form. I think Rescue Rangers worked in animation Comics, the characters just aren't developed enough to work. And whenever they adapt it in comics, nobody quite knows what to do with them. And yeah. you see it in the story. Yeah, it's like I can I can definitely pick out, you know, comics of almost any of the other ones, you know, comic stories I like out of 
all the Rescue Rangers comics I've read, which would be Disney Adventures, the original Disney comics ones, the Boom comics, I have a hard time picking out any of those that, that I read that's like, yeah, that's Rescue Rangers. I don't know what it is, because even, even the show itself doesn't stand up to, like, marathon watching. And I, I say that as I say that despite the fact that I enjoy the show and I grew up with it and I'm nostalgic towards it. But I think I'm at the point in my life I would definitely put Tailspin way above it. Um, and even this Goof Troop story, just going on this one story, it's solid. Like, don't skip the like, – even if you aren't a big fan of Goof Troop, don't skip the story. I mean, it could have been worse. I mean, bonkers could have been in this. Oh, that would definitely not have made one person happy. I know, right? I don't know. You couldn't have done bonkers. That wouldn't have worked. <laughs> it, it, it wouldn't have. I don't know how you would have done that. Yeah, I don't really see it really working either. Unless maybe it was like a one-page gag comic where Salego shows up and just zaps bonkers into nothing. And then, okay, next part. <laughs> Um, for all things considered, this is a very respectful story toward all of the shows. Yeah. Especially, especially Darkwing Duck. Leaving him to the end, making a big deal out of him. Um, it's just, it's great. I'm so happy it's finally been republished for new fans to read. Because uh, it deserved be. to be. Yeah, definitely did. Should so, we uh, rate Salego as well? Let's, Fine, go for it. What would you rate him? I would rate him... He's a little tricky because most of the time he's just possessing people. You know, you don't really get to see him shine until that final issue when he comes together. But I think I'd give him a solid four. I think if he had been, you know, whole sooner, he would have gone up in score. See, it's so hard to rate a character like this who only appears in the comic because the two things that would have brought this guy over the top would have been the voice acting and the animation. And we get none of that here. Right. It would be like only knowing Murloc from the Diz DuckTales movie from a comic and not getting the animation and the Christopher Lloyd voiceover. So you would lose two big things of what the, what makes that character work. Same thing with Taurus Bulba. Yep. So if Saligo had been in a show and voiced by, hey, Tony Jay or Tim Curry, and was animated in Japan or Australia, he'd be a five-star villain. Absolutely. But since he doesn't have any of that, he's just a drawing on a page, and he only shows up as himself in only the last story, I can't really give him more than a three. I think if he was, I think if he was on Ducktales or Darkwing as a villain on the show, he would have been fantastic. But we'll never know. Well, at least not until maybe the reboot. Maybe they'll actually do something with him. It's possible. I'd like to see it if they ever get a chance to do it. But I guess we've exhausted talking about Chaos God for one night. Uh, Stan, thank you very much for being my guest host and discussing it with me. I really appreciate it. It was a pleasure. And um, folks, I don't know what's in store for the next episode. It might be another bonus. I've got something else in mind that I might do while Will is away. 
it might be the next Darkwing episode, but it very it's very likely going to be another bonus. So stay tuned. But it's something cool I'm thinking of. This should be a good one. But in the meantime, we are the St. Bernard Files, a Darkwing Duck podcast. You can find us on all podcast apps, Stitcher, Spotify, Google, iTunes. You can watch us on YouTube. We're on iHeartRadio, Pandora, Pocketcast Radio Public, and so many other ones I haven't mentioned because I don't know all of them, but I know we're there. Um, you can also find our communities on Facebook. We have a St. Bernard Files Darkwing Duck podcast group and a, a page just for the podcast. So we have two different Facebook pages. We also have we're also on Twitter and we're also on Instagram. So and we're like every it. and Reddit. Yes, I always forget about the Reddit page as well. Stan, you you man that one, right? Yep. So we're everywhere. You can find us really easy on all podcast apps and YouTube and all your social media needs. Whatever you're into, we're there. And I I guess we'll just see everybody next week. Stan, thank yeah. you once again. You're welcome. And everybody, stay dangerous. Stay dangerous.